Welcome to Hope's Reason, a podcast of discipleship with Stephen Bedard. Please come and visit me at hopesreason.com. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash hopesreason. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. In this episode of the podcast, I'm pleased to have some time with Keith Dow, and I've known Keith for a number of years. We got to know each other at a retreat, and uh, since then, we've had the opportunity to work on a number of projects together, and I'm really excited to have him on the podcast. Keith, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, Sure. Uh, well, thanks for having me on the show, Steve, and really looking forward to, to sharing with people as well um, a bit about us and what we do at Christian Horizons. So, um, yeah, I live just south of Ottawa, Ontario, and with my wife, Darcy, and we have three kids who are 11 and under. And so I work with an organization called Christian Horizons, and we're a large faith-based uh, developmental service organization who supports people who experience disabilities. And we're in Ontario, Saskatchewan, and then in several countries around the world as well. Um, and as, as part of that organization, I serve on the organizational and spiritual life team. And I guess what we do is we help to unpack what it means to be a Christian faith-based organization, how that impacts our organizational culture and our, our practice, the things that we do. We also are involved in other things, such as supporting churches and becoming more accessible. And we have to promote the spiritual life and, I guess, the flourishing of, of people who experience disabilities, uh, people that we, we serve throughout the organization. Well, as a pastor and as a father of two children with special needs, I know I really appreciate the work of Christian Horizons, and you continue to be uh, a blessing to uh, both communities, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to what we can talk about today. Now, in addition to all your other roles, you're currently working on a PhD. Uh, what's your dissertation on? Yeah, that's a dangerous question. We could be here all day, um, <laughs> but uh, I'm working through the VU University in Amsterdam under the supervision of Hans Reinders, and my PhD is in theology. I guess in general, it's it's looking into the moral motivation and formation of direct support professionals who work in organizations like ours, so in, in Christian faith-based organizations. Um, my background is more in philosophy, so it kind of explores themes of, of philosophy and theology and uh, wanders its way, I guess, through the writings of Soren Kierkegaard, uh, Alistair McIntyre, Emmanuel Levinas, Judith Butler, and then there are others that I, I deal with as well, um, to discover a kind of ethical disposition. So what's our posture towards one another as we serve each other? And in the end, I'm, I'm trying to discover how we go about loving our neighbors as ourselves in a field like this one where talking about love is, is almost kind of uh, taboo, right, in a professional service kind of setting. That's very interesting. Now, I, I'm sure that there's a lot of people 
who were not even aware that there was such a thing as disability theology. Uh, could you talk to me a little bit about what that is and what kind of work is being done in this area? Yeah, for sure. And it's, it is a really exciting area. There's lots of people starting to write at the intersection of, of disability and theology. Um, I guess if I were to sum it up, I would say it's an area of theology that really tries to take seriously uh, both the embodied limitations and societal reality uh, of disability in relation to faith and theology. And as, as you read, you know, a lot of the literature that's coming out, you realize that it's something that all theology should have been taking seriously for a long time now, since back in the beginning of doing theology, but... Um, as we're discovering in, in a variety of different domains, whether it's womanist theology, black theology, feminist theology, etc., it's not something that theolog theologians have, have typically done well. And so a lot of the work that's being done is looking back over sacred scripture, things like systematic theology, uh, practices of teaching and preaching, religious education and, and church practices, and, and we do this with new eyes in a way. Um, and as, as we're kind of reviewing all these different things, we discover that there are implicit biases and, and different barriers that are scattered throughout our beliefs and our practices, things that we maybe didn't even recognize before or realize that we were going through. And I think the more that we do this, the more that we engage in these practices and disciplines, uh, we realize that there are a lot of people who have been excluded from church or faith communities consciously or unconsciously, uh, and they have a lot to show us about what it means to be faithful. Uh, now, this is something that's taking place in different religions, but coming from the Christian perspective, they show us a lot about what it means to be to be faithful to Christ and to, to follow God um, in the world today. What kind of people are working in this area? Would these theologians be people with disabilities themselves, or is much of the work being done by people uh, without a current disability who are just interested in this area? Uh, what have you noticed? Yeah, it's a really neat field in that regard. Um, I, I think in in disability studies in in general, disability studies that takes place in university settings. There's a, there's a pretty exclusive conversation happening, uh, by people who experience disabilities themselves. And this is, this is really important, right? These are voices that haven't typically been heard or listened to or being in places of power. And so that's a really key part of, of disability studies field. What we find in, uh, disability and theology, kind of that intersection, at least what I found as a person who would be um, considered temporarily able-bodied, is that there, there's more receptivity to working in a collaborative way. And so, obviously, the, the stories and the, the viewpoints and the understanding of people who experience disabilities themselves uh, is something that we need to take really seriously, and that needs to be in a place of, uh, of privilege, really, that we, that we learn from um, each person what it means to them to experience this disability. But I'm, I'm thankful that they've also opened up the space to people like myself who uh, to see the far-ranging impact of what's being talked about 
in in the, the field of disability and theology, and whether whether you want to call us allies or you know whatever the the wording or language is, I'm just thankful that. Um, I can be a part of that conversation, primarily to learn, uh, but also to be to be listened to in terms of what it means to to be embodied and to relate to God and and theology. We've been talking a lot about uh, disability and theology, and uh, this might be a little bit late in the conversation, but it probably would be good to define what we mean by disability. Because I'm thinking of people in different circumstances. So you might have someone with uh, quite bad arthritis in their knees and they're walking with a cane. You might have another person with uh, high functioning autism and you might have another person who is experiencing depression and they may or may not self-describe as being disabled. But what is the, the general definition that's used for disability? Yeah, that's a great question. And I don't want to presume to uh, to be the one to define it because there are so many different definitions that, that take place. And I mean, generally it would refer to some form of functional, uh, limitation or, or loss. Um, but I, I mean, you can see that such a, such a wide definition as well. One, one person that I really resonate with is uh, Debbie Kramer who wrote on, um, on limits and, and how limits and, and talking about limits intersects with the topic of disability. And there's something about a disability label that, um, that we, we can't all presume to have, right? It, even if you just look at the way that our governments operate and how money is distributed, there's, there's certain criteria for having a disability. And, and so Debbie Kramer, talks about limits in such a way that we all experience human limitation. And some of those are maybe more profound or, or significant. They, they impact those limitations, impact our life more to greater extents. And probably in those kinds of settings, you would be talking about a disability, whether it's a physical or intellectual um, disability, whether it's a hidden disability. You touched on a few there. There's quite a range. Uh, but all of us can relate in some way to limitation and what that looks like. And so that's something that I've resonated with, that I'll let others define what disability is per se or what it is to them, perhaps. Uh, for me, the understanding of human limitation and embodiment is what, what really resonates with me. That's very helpful. Thank you. As a pastor, when I'm preaching and I am touching on a passage that has to do with a disability, the challenge I have is, especially within the Gospels, uh, many of the passages are describing Jesus healing a person with a disability. And so uh, even recently I preached on a passage where Jesus healed a man who was blind. And there in our congregation were uh, two ladies who are blind and it really challenged me as to how they would hear those kinds of passages. What role do you see the Bible as giving us in terms of understanding uh, how God looks at disabilities and how we should be looking at disabilities? 
Yeah, it's a great question. And I say that's one that biblical scholars have been wrestling with for quite a while now. And also people who experience disabilities, because often these stories of healing are presented in kind of an un- uncritical or unnuanced way, right? That the, the expectation is that Jesus comes into a place and heals people. And so there's this kind of assumption that if if somebody has something that could be healed, then it should be healed, which I think is really dangerous and misleading. Um, and and there have been too many stories of people who have been on the receiving end of criticism that, well, if only you had enough faith, you'll be, be healed. Um, and this could be from a, a sickness or a, a disability. And we want to recognize that there's, there's a bit difference there as well. Uh, most people with sickness would would definitely want to be healed, right? That's kind of uh, part of the understanding of, of being sick, is you want to come to a place of health. Whereas in disability, and especially contemporary disability studies and experience, uh, it's it's entirely possible, and many people are fully in a place of uh, being disabled and being very healthy, right? To having a great relation with their own body and being very happy with where they are in the world and how they relate to others in their experience of disability. And so for, for these people, um, and it's not everybody, like everybody has kind of a unique experience, uh, of their limitations, but for many people, um, it, it, disability can be a source of, of pride, of identity, of uh, part of a group, of belonging, those types of things that, that are important uh, to them. And so we want to recognize that whenever we approach the biblical narrative. Um, I, I think maybe one of the things that we tend to lose sight of as we're reading through a gospel and we come to a place where Jesus heals someone is we lose sight of the, the primary importance of most of these texts. We, we gravitate, and I mean, Jesus even talks about the human uh, propensity to do this, but we gravitate towards the miraculous, the, uh, the showy, the things that, that stand out to us, kind of like a magician coming in and, and healing people. And um, people look for signs and wonders, I think is how, how it's described in the Bible. And so we look to those as being these important signs and wonders. But... In in Mark two, um, Jesus says it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. And what he's talking about there is not this showy kind of doctor that comes in and and uh, and heals all disability or sickness. He's talking about you know unrighteousness. He's talking about sin. He's talking about a broken relationship between people and each other. He's talking about a broken relationship with people and their God. This idea of um, shalom or, or wholeness that we see throughout the, the Hebrew Old Testament as well. And, and so that's the doctor that Jesus is, is coming to, to heal those relationships, to heal the spirituality of people in relationships with one another and with God. And uh, a bit earlier in Mark 2, and there's, there's a number of people that have, have touched on the significance of this passage, but when Jesus the, the, heals the man with paralysis who's lowered through the roof by his friends, that example of healing is to demonstrate that Christ has the power to forgive sins, that Christ is is God, that Christ can do these tremendous um, redemptive acts of power, but it's a power that is, um, it, it kind of 
goes out of the surface, right? It's not this big showy power that everybody can see and say, wow, you're an entirely different person now. And so that, that act of healing the man of paralysis was a sign, something that people could see to show that Jesus had this even deeper power to forgive sins. Um, now, all that being said, I, I think the, the biblical examples of healing are still something to be wrestled with. They're not something that we can easily put in a box and say, oh, this is just just to show that God can forgive sins. Uh, the reality is, is that if that happened in today's setting, a lot of disability advocates would be saying, you know, what does that say about health? What does that say about disability? Is that saying that people with disabilities need to be, quote unquote, restored to this idea of, of normalcy, right? Like uh, to have bodies like, quote unquote, everybody else has. Um, and so I think it's still pretty nuanced, but we do have to remember that the the New Testament setting is still very different from today's society. And so I love that we're in a place where we can really be looking at attitudinal barriers and and how those how people's attitudes affect their perception of others. And we can look at what does it mean for people with disabilities, people with limitations, people of differing embodiment, like each of us has a differing embodiment, can be fully welcomed and accepted as part of faith communities. I think, in, and um, you probably know more about this than I do, but I, I think about it in some of those contexts, um, there maybe wasn't the same awareness. And really disability in in Jesus' times, in many settings, would almost condemn someone to, be, to a life outside of the community. And it's very difficult to be restored to God and to others if, if you're kind of condemned to a life of poverty or you're condemned to a life where, where people won't welcome you. Um, and, and so I guess rather than focusing on maybe the, the conflict there, I think we need to be excited we're in a place where we can be looking at welcoming and accepting people and and appreciating others' gifts um, without the expectation that somebody needs to to conform to a certain body type or a certain ability standard to to be part of the church, to be part of God's kingdom. Well, that's great, Keith. Uh, I really appreciate your reflection on those passages, and that definitely rings true uh, with with my experience. What is it that gets you most excited about disability theology? Yeah, that's a good question. And it's, uh, it's something that I've wrestled with a bit. Um, I mean, I've served with people with intellectual and developmental disabilities for 12 years now. And, um, and, and so I, I want to be cautious because I recognize there, there are distinct differences as well as uh, real similarities between my experience and their experience. I haven't faced a lot of the, the marginalization that they, that many of the, my friends, people that I have worked with and supported have gone through. And so I don't want to presume um, that in a way that's, that's my fight. Um, I am I, thrilled and excited by the, the progression of thought around disability and theology because of um I guess from my perspective, what it says about what it means to be embodied in the world today, that as we take disability seriously as 
uh, a topic as an experience in theology, it really just opens doors uh, for people to relate to God in new ways, for for communities to be whole, to, to welcome people of disabilities, to, to not stigmatize others. And then I, we're just going to see a stronger uh, church as a result of that. And so I am, I am excited about disability theology, but I, I guess on a broader scale, I'm excited about the direction that theology is, is taking as it, as it really starts to appreciate diverse forms of embodiment. And there, there may be a little, uh, it, it maybe I'm making too much of that distinction, but I think it's important to see it not just as a compartment of theology that, oh, certain people are interested in disability, and so they're off in that corner studying this. But I, what I'm hopeful of is that it's it's beginning to shape the way we do theology anywhere we do theology uh, as we take uh, people's bodies and their relation to their bodies uh, seriously. Well, you mentioned uh, about the church, and I'm encouraged uh, as well as where things are going, but uh, where have you seen the church fall short when it comes to disabilities? Yeah, and I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to be a, a downer. I think there's a lot of areas that we have. Let's say a lot of areas to improve, <laughs> <laughs> and and one of them can be seen in in theology itself. That if we're trying, if we're starting to take bodies seriously now, it means that we haven't been doing a good job of that in the past. Right, And so whether it's preaching that doesn't take into consideration people with various intellectual disabilities, right? It can, can be, we hear a lot of certain messages that are, uh, John Swinney would call it uh, hypercognitive, right? It's very focused on the mind and and absorbing different types of knowledge. And we've, we've lost a lot by not understanding how our bodies are really connected to our worship and how our worship services need to take into consideration all of our varied abilities and not just uh, the mind. I'll start on that in, in a lot of our, our thinking, a lot of our teaching, but um, we've also missed out a lot in, in just really practical areas, right? That because of this focus on, on, on hypercognition, because of a focus on almost this ideal of bodily perfection, uh, we have tended to stigmatize a lot of people who are part of the body of Christ and really valuable parts of the body of Christ. And it's, it's hard to be part of a community and feel like you really belong to a community where you know that you're marginalized, where people see you as on the outskirts and not at the, at the center of what is God, what God is doing in the world. And, and so that, that makes me really sad. Uh, it also makes me really hopeful that as we start to recognize this, uh, that we'll see that pastors, priests, preachers, uh, ministers, there are uh, caregivers who have disabilities who, and we've missed out on, on their contribution as part of church community. Whether it's, you know, as elders, as school leaders, as Sunday school teachers involved in hospitality work, that there are a lot of gifts of people that we have not taken seriously because of, because of stigma. And so I'm excited to see that, that stigma start to fade away. And I think we need to take a really active role in recognizing and calling out, uh, attitudes that 
undermine the diverse, diverse abilities of others in our community. Well, that's again rings true with uh, with my experience. I, I've seen a lot of movement in a, in a positive way in the church, although there still is a lot of room to grow. But at least people seem to be a bit more aware, even if they're not quite sure how to make it happen. And I know that Christian Horizons is doing a lot of good work in helping churches to know where to to begin that journey. And so I, I appreciate the work that you're doing. What other resources would you point people to grow in this area of the intersection of disability and faith? Yeah, and I think it's a it's an exciting time to be asking that question because there are a lot of great resources out there and Almost exponentially, we see uh, new great resources being released every uh, every day, practically. So uh, at Christian Horizons, thank you for, for the shout-out there. We do enjoy coming alongside churches and, and helping them to think through, you know, what does accessibility look like in our context? And often it's it's multi-pronged, so, so one aspect of it is, what are our attitudes here? What are the attitudes that are shaping our worship space, and how do we maybe – uh, get rid of some of the fear that's associated with welcoming people that are different than us. And the other part of that is just getting to know people who are parts of our community and what are their experiences, what are the barriers they face and the challenges that, that they face, what are the gifts that they have that they would love to contribute and love to be a part of ministry within the church and maybe haven't had the opportunity to do that. And so each situation, each context is going to be a little bit different. And so if you're if you're getting to know somebody who has autism, for instance, that there may be something that's important to them, that may not be something that's important to them. If it is something that's important to them and they uh, and they are encountering barriers, then there's a lot of great resources around autism. Um, so Barbara Newman out of, of Michigan um, and the CLC Network have some great resources there. Uh, if you're interested in more of the theological aspect, anything by uh, John Swinton is fantastic, or my supervisor Hans Reinders has written some great works there. Uh, I mentioned Deborah Kramer before. Um, Bill Gavanta just wrote a really great book on disability and spirituality, and so I highly recommend that. It just came out uh, recently. And so we're not trying to write all the resources. We're not trying to write the book on, on these things because we recognize that there are a lot of people who have gifting and experience in these areas and um and they're already writing fantastic things they're they're doing videos they're releasing resources um but what i would encourage your listeners to do is to check out uh, www.christian-horizons.org slash churches um or you could go to our just search for christian horizon and, and explore our site there or go to the blog at uh www.disabilityandfaith.org and what we're trying to do there is to highlight uh, the things that are coming out, uh, the videos that are being released, the, the books, the downloads, the, the checklists um, and uh, you can always feel free to, to reach out to us or probably to yourself as well, Steve, you've got a great uh, resource catalog as well, to, to find out Based on our particular contact, right, where is the place that we need to start? Because every community is in a slightly different place and is going to approach us differently and probably need different tools as well. Well, thank you very much, Keith. I will make sure to include links to all of those uh, resources in the show notes. 
And I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and to uh, challenge us about where uh, where our faith impacts our understanding of disability. Thank you very much again. Oh, thanks so much for having me on the podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode. For you, the listeners of the Hope's Reason podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook with a free 30-day trial to give you an opportunity to check out their services. I recommend A Place of Healing, Wrestling with the Mysteries of Suffering, Pain, and God's Sovereignty by Joni Erickson Tada. In this eloquent account of her current struggle with physical pain, Joni Erickson Tada offers her perspective on divine healing, God's purposes, and what it means to live with joy. Over four decades ago, a diving accident left Joni a quadriplegic. Today she faces a new battle, unrelenting pain. The ongoing urgency of this season in her life has caused Joni to return to foundational questions about suffering and God's will. A Place of Healing is not an ivory tower treatise on suffering. It is an intimate look into the life of a mature woman of God. Whether readers are enduring physical pain, financial loss, or relational grief, Joni invites them to process their suffering with her. Together, they will navigate the distance between God's magnificent yes and heartbreaking no and find new hope for thriving in between. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash hopesreason. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash hopesreason for your free audiobook. For more episodes of the podcast, please visit me at my website, hopesreason.com, and feel free to support the podcast by donating at patreon.com slash hopesreason. Thank you, and God bless.